Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast. I'm your host, Guy. Joined beside me, as always, is my good friend, Anne. This is a very special episode as we speak with the father of modern mindfulness, the incredible John Cabot Zinn. In a way, how would you ignite passion in someone for the, the deep wisdom that already is available to them? And I think for me, that's almost like a superpower. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. It is a superpower. I mean, no neuroscientist even knows what a thought is. They don't mm -hmm. know what awareness is. They don't know how you get it out of three pounds of meat in the head. Sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha, okay? Sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes that way. Yeah. John was in London for an Action for Happiness event, and we offered to take him to the airport the next morning. So in this podcast, we have a fascinating early morning conversation with John while driving him from his hotel to the airport. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. Visit actionforhappiness.org for more details and subscribe to the YouTube channel to get the latest videos and podcasts. Okay. Let's do this. So, uh, you felt good about it last night? Yeah. There are a few places where I just forgot what the hell I was talking about. No, but that's the beauty of it, because you know, you're so in the present moment. It's, it's like when we do the podcast sometimes. I think like, I was so jet lagged, and plus I've been talking for like four days, so after a while it's like, yeah. what am I saying? You know, it's like, Yeah, I, I love the bit how you mentioned like, when you got to speak abroad where there is that, that translator that has mm-hmm. to, you know, because you say your bit, then he translates, then you, then you kind of lose your spot. But the point that you were making is like, you know, well, you need to be in a foreign language. You could right. lose, you could lose your train of thought even in English as well. That wasn't the point I was making. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that is the point that I made. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny how like you know humor can play such a big yeah, role in yeah. um, you know in delivering these yeah. these talks. I was a little frustrated because um, the energy in the room was so phenomenal. Oh, that's great. That I wanted to uh, actually have questions and answers at the end, but. I basically just ran out of time yeah because they were I, I had a dinner right afterwards so they were pulling me away and yeah telling me to stop there's no traffic at this time of day right yeah it's it's nice and pleasant well thanks for getting up this early because there was like no other time to do this yeah I thought it would be a good use of your time as yeah well. you know I didn't really want to take up too well much I, time it yesterday. was like I wanted to see you guys mentioned on our last podcast it was Anne who introduced me to mindfulness oh is that so yes um, you know. so you were the original troublemaker <laughs> yeah well you know it, I never had any back pains or stresses or but Anne and I for over 20 years have loved to talk about Descartes about philosophy uh, okay about okay. the meaning of life the purpose of life so, so you've been friends for a long time yeah 20 years at least, yeah. How old are you guys? I'm 35 and okay. I'm 36. Okay, so you've known each other basically since you were kids. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. And That's cool. how did you meet? Just from mutual friends. Oh, really? You know, on the clubbing scene. Uh huh. I had lots of, lots of party. Computer games at first, I think, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Before clubbing. Good old Street Fighter. Uh huh. <coughs> and we. And, and showed me, introduced me to mindfulness, and then because you grew up with it. Being, oh, no, no, being um, from, it was actually from college. It was. Um, and why don't you sit in the middle, so you can go? Is there a seat? Yeah, there the is middle? a seat in the middle. Yeah. 
So he's okay, at college. Okay, good. There <laughs> yeah. we go. Now we're like now we're all on camera. Yes. So I was um, teaching at a college. Yeah. And the, the counselor of the college had a had an MBSR program. Is that so? For staff, yeah. Um, so we were there was eight of us actually, eight, <coughs> course, eight, eight teachers, and I was just straight away the idea. Um, really, really, really got my attention. Really. Um, and I thought this is so good for, for students. Attention. Yeah. You know, why why are we not teaching them? You know, like you said on stage, you know, pay attention kids, pay attention <laughs> pay attention to the mathematics, but we never teach them how. Yeah. Never, you know. And yeah, it was just for me it was something that's absolutely missing in our education system. Needed, necessary. And personally, um, I benefited so through our conversations, I introduced Key. He loved it ever since. That's that's phenomenal. That you know. So it's it's basically grew out of your friendship, the two of you. Yeah, that's really something. I should do the podcast and interview you. <laughs> In fact, I guess I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we can. I mean. So that should be part of it. I mean, yeah, yeah. We don't like to do formal introductions. We just like to have a conversation. Yeah, this we, we, don't, we don't enjoy like. So we're already one. we're already we're already in the rolling. Car. Exactly. Right. We're yeah. already running. Exactly. Wonderful. But one thing I'd like to add to that is, once Anne introduced me to it, we started watching your videos, and we started just found me on YouTube. Found you on YouTube, and yeah, and after that. All our podcasts changed from what we were doing to focus primarily on mindfulness. I see. Okay, so and before that, it had a different orientation. Yeah, more like you know, current events. Oh, okay. Um, bit of philosophy. The uh -huh. the subject's important to us. Yeah, philosophy. You mean the, yeah. the subjects that are, were important to you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, great. And so the next forty odd podcasts up to now have been about mindfulness. That's beautiful. So it's been the core of our podcast and the main thing. Because, you know, one thing about philosophy, I mean, philosophy is beautiful, you know, all well and good. But um, it's been my observation that people who study lots of philosophy, mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily translate into well-being or mm -hmm. happiness. It translates often into a huge amount of thinking about mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And you can have various attitudes or philosophies about it but it doesn't necessarily get enacted or embodied in uh, the way you choose to live yeah and but philosophy should be all about how you live on the basis of your understanding mm -hmm. of the challenges of you know human life so so that's where you know there is a branch of philosophy called um, uh, Um, Stoicism? No. Um, it's too early in the morning. Um, <laughs> pheno for, for, phenomenology. Phenomenology. And yeah. Phenomenology, as I understand it, Husserl and Merleau-Ponty and and uh, he uh, Heidegger, I think, mm -hmm. and people like that, are really asking fundamental questions about the nature of being. Uh, and of language mm -hmm. and things like that yeah. and uh, they in some sense seem to have the philosophical counterpart of mindfulness but without a practice yes okay they had no practice it's just the you know conceptual exercises mm -hmm. and perspectives yeah. uh, but when you uh, 
when you come to encounter Buddhist meditative practices, which yeah. are the heart of which is mindfulness, mm -hmm. then um, it gives you a way to live, you know, mm -hmm. a way to be, live in accordance with the yeah. kind of deep understanding of the difference between the appearance of reality and the actuality of reality and uh, form and emptiness and yeah. a speech and silence and all sorts of mm -hmm. uh, things that otherwise are just mere concepts. And that's what... Does that make sense? What yeah, I no, said? it absolutely does. And I think that's why Anne and I love it so much because we do practice, we have a formal meditation daily, right? But, yeah, so to finish my last point, it's... So not only has that become the focus of our podcast, Mindfulness, yeah. but the focus of our lives. You know, yeah, we, it we, sounded we, that we, way. We dedicate all our... My, my wife will come in and she will listen to Anne and I talking and she'll be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> because we talk about it so much and so, and you know, it, it, so it's... So you guys are very, very close friends. Oh yeah, definitely. That's extraordinary. Well, we have a group of about 10 of our friends that we kind of grew up together, but mm -hmm. Anne and I have been the one that have... Right, found we, this We bonded on vector. this, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the others, not so much. Huh? No, I mean, what, and... We, what do they think of you? <laughs> Some, some of the a little bit off <laughs> yeah. the deep end. Yeah. So oh, here we go, Ann and G at it again. Um, and there are other ones that are, you know, very receptive to it, but you know, don't they have haven't picked taken up, up yeah. the practice? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, at first, I did come across as a bit patronising, mm -hmm. and because I uh, because you I, were I was so, so enthusiastic. Yeah. I was like, so then you become a big uh, advocate of mindfulness and yeah. annoy everybody. <laughs> exactly. Because you're attached to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I think the way I first encountered you was basically doing your podcast, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And I told Richard uh, that, you know, uh, I just loved it. I loved talking with you guys. I mean, I do a million things like that. Yeah. But I felt like we connected in a way that was special. Incredible. And I just felt, felt like both of you. It's like, so... So that's why I was happy to say connect up with you again, you know, to say nothing of the fact that you're part of Action for Happiness yes. and at this dinner afterwards, I, they had a whole bunch of presentations about Action for Happiness mm -hmm. and what their aspiration for the future is. And yeah. I was just very, very impressed. I never really understood it before. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's, it's quite a wonderful vision and implementation. So I'm very happy that you're part of it. And Action for Happiness have invested the resources in making great, you know, the course, for example. Because Anne and I have hosted that, um, you know, the eight. Are you both teachers of the the course? We, but yeah, Anne and I both led one of the courses. Ah, I see. Yep. Together, you together, led it together. together. Wonderful, yep. wonderful. And do you meditate in the course? Is mindfulness is a part of it? They said, right? Yeah. So what was that, John? So it's, yeah, the mindfulness is part of the course. Yeah, yes. yeah. They said it was part of the course, but how much actual meditation practice is there in the course versus just talking about being present? So out of the eight weeks, there is one week solely dedicated to, to practice to, to mindfulness. Uh -huh. But what we at the beginning of each of our lessons, we would have a, a tuning in session. Oh, great! Yeah. And is that what everybody does, or is that what you did? Because I think that's quite common. Yeah, it's quite common. It's common. Uh -huh. It is quite common because in the the videos and the the structure that they give you, because we're not there to teach anyone. We're there to bring the content oh, facilitate. To the, facilitate. Yes. I see. And to and to share with them. <coughs> I see. 
talked about this last time, you know, on the on the topic of Kian uh, mentioning how wonderful social media is. Yes. And on the one hand, yes, for communication. And, and but there was a recent NHS study, National Health Service in the UK. Yeah. Um, we got and they they surveyed. 14 to 24 year olds yes uh, digital natives and the link between the, I think the rise 70 percent increase in depression and anxiety in the last uh, 25 years really yeah in uh, that age group in, in, in that age group and um, how the number one for increasing your anxiety and depression is uh, Instagram. <laughs> That's the, so really? they, they ranked. There, there was see. a ranking of, of, of sort of the harmful effects of social media. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a lot of you know uh, dark stuff on social media, bullying and yeah. um, things like that, right? Where yeah. you're just really putting other people down. Mm -hmm. And you know, on one hand, I keep saying to him because we, I, I worry about my students. I see sort of zombie-like states. They're in the lift, they're waiting outside the lesson. And they're tuned out. They're tuned out, they're, they're just all not having a conversation. You're right. 17, 18. Wow. But you're, you're in your own world. You're in, what do you teach, by the way? I teach mathematics. You do? Yeah. In college? In, yeah, so it's a... University? Uh, it's not university, so it's a... We call it college in the UK, which is... What is uh, it's, that? It's in, so it's the high school equivalent. It's the final oh, two I see. years okay, of, of high school. Of high school, okay. yeah. So the secondary school is uh, up till the age of 16 and then our college, uh -huh. so we have okay. is 16, 16 to 18, just to 18 then you go to university, yeah. if you do. If you do, yeah. yeah. So Anna, are you talking about the content on social media is it, or it's versus the, the, yeah. the addictive nature of always just turning to the phone and always being on the phone? But yeah, I think, I mean, you, you look at people's Social media. I mean, it's it's firstly, it's, it's not a reality. It's literally something that people usually filter. You know, you've got those filtered lenses on yeah. on Instagram, and I, I think to do with particularly teenage girls, there, there's, there's an increase in depression in, in teenage girls in particular, right? Um, and it's to do with I think body image, all of these things that at that vulnerable age trying trying to grow up, get absolutely, a sense of identity, absolutely. and they're getting this false picture of reality, which you're so addicted to as well, you know, every every moment is on the phone, on the phone. Yes, and it's always comparing fed. yourself with other people, right? Yeah. I don't know Instagram, I've never even seen it, uh, but it, is that the one where you, you just snap photos and then they so disappear? So there's, there's Snapchat and then there's Instagram. I mean, I, I, okay. So Instagram's just photos, so it's like a very... Instagram is just photos? Just photos. No yeah. text? N no text. I mean, you can add text at the uh -huh. bottom, yeah. but it's mainly photos, is that right, Guy? Yeah, you use it too. And Snapchat I've never used. I'm out of touch with that one completely, but that was number two on their list, so it, Instagram was number one. Did we just go in a big circle? Yeah. What happened? Because of the one-way system around here, once I'd missed that turning... Oh, I see, I see, I see. I agree with you that, that we are, live in an age, you know, of social media and you do have now digital natives and they're not going to get anything except on the internet. And how do you do that in a way that uh, really increases their quality of life 
as opposed to contributes to their addiction yeah to social media but also in the in if the, if the vein or the the mission statement is how do we spread mindfulness and I guess happiness through the back door to as many people as possible you know that that is definitely well I'm a, a little I have to thing. say and I'm a little mistrustful of the verb to spread sure okay okay what do you mean so well because spreading mindfulness sounds like spreading peanut butter mm-hmm. on a piece of bread you know what I mean and and I I, I, I question um, so you know it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what's underneath that mm-hmm. but I would say in a way how would you ignite passion in someone for the, the deep wisdom that already is available to them okay something like that yeah so you know it's call it igniting passion so that rather than you are spreading something mm-hmm. you're actually facilitating so catalytically other people becoming more awake it may sound like a subtle distinction but but uh, one feels a little bit messianic you know what I'm saying like what does that mean? messianic means like uh, we've got the right thing here and it's called mindfulness or it's called happiness yeah. and now we're gonna spread it around the world do yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. and it sounds a little bit arrogant I mean even if it comes from you know sort of um, compassion and from a kind of the right perspective yeah. uh, if you're not careful it can kind of in ways that you don't really necessarily realize yeah. uh, be condescending to other people like I'm telling you that you need to be happy yes. or I'm telling you you need to meditate well how should I know what what you need you know but if you can connect with people and say listen there is a way of being that actually allows us to deal with our unhappiness. Mm. Let's not focus so much on happiness because then it sounds like you're selling happiness. And of course, that's a tricky thing. Mm. But how about we bring awareness to how unhappy we are? Mm -hmm. And is it possible for us to free ourselves from the sort of core elements or patterns that drive unhappiness? And the answer is, Yes, of course, but you have to start paying attention. You have to, in some sense, realize what it is and who it is that's uh, unhappy. Yeah. What drives unhappiness? Is, is, is it wanting? Uh, is it, you know, uh, and what if you get what you want? Does that bring happiness? Very often, you just want something else. So you always want things to be your way, but then do you know what your real way is? And are there conditions that are available to you right now that are actually true causes of happiness, but you're not letting yourself experience them? Like the sky is getting lighter and lighter. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a brand new day. What's not to be happy about? Do you know what I'm saying? But if you've got, if you're depressed or if there's all sorts of stuff going on or your house just burned down or your family members were killed in the Grenville fire there's a lot to not be happy about uh, but to some have someone come along from action and happiness and talk about how you should be happy well who are you to say I should be happy I mean I'm grieving mm-hmm. dead family members yeah. so it's a tonal thing of yes. course 
it, it, so so that's where mindfulness comes in because you can be aware if you want to be of how you're languaging your aspirations whether it's action for happiness or whether it's mindfulness and one way would be you're a kind of uh, advocate or proponent for it that um, has the you know potential to unwittingly become a little um, evangelical or messianic that you know the right way and you're telling everybody else what the right way is yeah. so that's the danger the love affair is you're sharing your enthusiasm mm. for what you've experienced in your practice with other people yeah. not to convince them that they should do that but out of the joy out of the happiness that you're experiencing and you're sharing that then people can say Wow, I saw this podcast with Guy and uh, and An, and they seemed like really awake, embodied, enthusiastic young guys. And they were talking about, say, whatever it is that they were talking about, whether it's philosophy or your your child or yeah. anything, in a way that's like, I want to be like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're appealing to younger people, mm. I want to be like those guys yeah. when I grow up. Then you see. There's a certain, I don't want to use the word purity, but there's a certain kind of authenticity where you're not telling someone else what to do. You cannot tell other people what to do without getting into some kind of dicey power relationship with them where that, that does smack of a certain kind of arrogance. Like my way is right. Exactly, yeah. my way. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I spent so much time last night focusing on the personal pronouns, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that when we talk about my breath, who, who's talking, you know, or my body. Yes. Uh, and so we don't examine who we are, but we think we know what everybody else needs. Yeah. So happiness is something that, you know, I try not to talk that much about happiness. I talk about uh, well-being. Mm -hmm. Feeling, or I'll use metaphors like, you know, the times when we feel most comfortable in our own skin yeah. and everybody has probably had moments like that where you just feel like at home mm -hmm. now of course that's what we always want we want to always feel at home in your own skin then it's portable you don't have to be at home to feel at home you feel at home in your body now most people don't feel at home with them in their body and what you were saying about you know the Young, young women and the pressures on them and the body image issues and everything else like you'll never be beautiful enough you'll never be thin enough you'll never be good enough yeah. and th this is a disease I mean it's like a, a, a social uh, contagious disease mm -hmm. that is infinitely harmful yeah. and leads to anorexia and suicide and all sorts of stuff yeah. and and to tell somebody, well, they should be happy, or, you know, we want you to be happy, um, it could backfire or right. not result in happiness. But to say, listen, um, there's more right with you than wrong with you. You are beautiful just as you are. Now, people are not necessarily going to be able to hear it, whatever it is that you're talking about. And, you know, if you're experiencing what I call the full catastrophe of the human condition, mm -hmm. 
there are lots of moments in life where what mindfulness is about is feeling how unhappy you are and then asking yourself or feeling how much pain you're in and it could be physical pain it could be emotional pain is this okay talking oh absolutely absolutely yeah and um and then you can ask yourself this really profound question but it's a laboratory question you're using the, your own life whether you're unhappy or happy whether you're in pain or not to ask yourself questions like let's say you're anxious okay and a lot of people are very anxious a lot of the time but if you start to practice mindfulness and you cultivate that on a regular daily basis both formally and in you know uh, everyday life when you're feeling anxious you could bring awareness to it you could embrace your your anxiety the feelings of anxiety wherever they are in your body whatever kinds of thoughts are moving through your mind however terrifying it is you embrace it in awareness as best you can yeah you have to of course if you practice every day you get stronger in your capacity to hold something in awareness even if you don't want that something you know it's not pleasant but if you hold it in awareness then you can ask yourself the following question is my awareness of my anxiety anxious and you and you look you don't get out your book that tells you the answer because there is no answer but you look and you see is my awareness of my anxiety anxious is my awareness of my discomfort uncomfortable yeah and most of the time you will find in at least in my experience that your awareness is bigger than your anxiety yeah. and it's a different dimension of reality of that of the mind that can actually hold it with a certain degree of compassion for yourself yeah. of kindness for yourself <coughs> and then all of a sudden you have the choice to step out of your anxiety into your awareness of your anxiety and you know the anxiety goes poof it disappears yeah. like touching a soap bubble yeah once you've had that experience once you know it's possible then anxiety doesn't become a prison for you it becomes like a weather pattern like you know it's raining I don't want it to be raining I want it to be sunny yeah, yeah well you may want it to be sunny but it is raining now how can you be in relationship to the fact that it's raining just allow it to be as it is okay? yeah. and you notice how unhappy you are about it fine but the noticing of the unhappiness not unhappy then you can have a good day on the rainy day yeah. so that's what i mean and uh so i think whether it's action for happiness or you know more classical mbs or mindfulness approach that it's really the challenge is to invite people to get to know themselves to cultivate as I said it last night intimacy with their own capacity for awareness and this is exactly what's never taught in school yeah what's taught in school is thinking 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 and then judging 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 on the basis of whether your papers at the top of the pile or at the bottom of the pile or whether you you opened your mouth and 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 uh, you felt that what came out of your mouth was stupid mm. and then you will never open your mouth again yeah. and that's a form of violence that you're doing to yourself only other people if they also are highly critical and put people down and there's a lot of that that goes on mm -hmm. 
then you're letting other people actually run your life. But once you be aware of, once you're aware of that, and you, then you can pay attention to things like you don't have to be on Instagram all the time finding out what everybody thinks about me. In fact, that's a kind of addiction because, um, as I understand it, I don't do this, so I, I only know about it from reading about it in the newspapers. That people are very often, and especially younger people who are so socked into social networking, they'll say something on their Facebook page or something like that, you know, or I had a great time, or here's a picture of me, or whatever. And then they'll keep going back to see how many people liked what they posted. And if not enough people liked what they posted, they'll get depressed. Yeah. And, and what they're looking for is little dopamine injections, dopamine hits. Yeah. They like my... So then your value is all based on what other people think, and you're perpetrating this delusion on yourself because the stuff wasn't important in the first place. Yeah. It wasn't you. You're just putting out, hey, how do you like this picture of me? Do I look beautiful in this picture? Who gives a shit? Yeah. You're beautiful already, no matter wh wh if you didn't take a picture. Yes. So can you reside in your beauty and then don't post everything on Instagram and or Snapchat or whatever and, and have everybody else tell you how clever you are, how beautiful you are. What's well, the point of that? Is it's empty, and that's the kind of some path to depression because you can never ever satisfy that urge. Yeah. If you ten people think your post was wonderful, why didn't a hundred people think my post was wonderful? Yeah. If it's a hundred, why didn't a thousand? I mean, if I was really popular, and then you said, you know, and then you start comparing yourself to movie stars or whatever, and they're as unhappy as you are. Yeah. So. There's a certain way in which what mindfulness does, or you know, true happiness, it invites you to actually stop and drop in to the actuality of your life, you know, and get really basic about it. Like, hey, am I having trouble breathing? No. Well, that's miraculous. I mean, there are a lot of people that. They have to have oxygen. They can't breathe, you know. Someday I won't be breathing. Why don't I appreciate this moment, this breath? I don't. Do I need any more than that? I mean, and I don't have to be doing the breath because, as I said last night, if it were up to me to be breathing, I would have died a long time ago because I'm so distracted. I put my hand. You tricked me yesterday. I put my hand up when you asked. You said, yeah. Well, of course, everybody does because yeah. that's the way the language yeah. works. Yeah. But you get my drift. Yes, that, yeah. that so uh, so rather than sort of be evangelical and messianic around either happiness or mindfulness, which yeah. sooner or later is going to turn everybody off. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is be happy. Yeah. If you're happy, it's contagious. Yes. Why? Why? Because people feel good in the presence of people who feel happy, mm -hmm. who feel equanimous, who don't have issues, you know? When people are bullying other people, it's because they don't feel happy in themselves. Yeah. Or when they're just critical of everybody else and they, you know, so kindness and compassion are things that you can cultivate in yourself first because we don't get enough kindness and compassion. Yeah. Everybody's so self-absorbed and preoccupied. You're listening to the Action for Happiness Carpool Podcast with the amazing John Kabat-Zinn. So can I... <coughs> a little bit of 
<coughs> what Anne and I usually talk about and a bit of our go for it recent we've so first of all you know we what really shocked us was you know how much time we spend thinking throughout the day and I, I one evening I called Anne and I said I had my first experience I was in my car in traffic jam and I said huh, I'm so bored right now and then I said oh that's a thought and because I was doing my daily practice yeah, it's like I said let me I was like I called Anne and I was laughing I said I can't believe it I've just had that experience of changing a negative into a positive yeah. and but you didn't change it see uh, you didn't change it any more than you took this breath. Yeah. You realized mm -hmm. that 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 um, you know you, you had this it. thought. Yes. I'm bored, and then you held that thought in awareness, mm -hmm. and you realized it's just a thought. Yeah. Right. And that liberated you from the boredom. Yeah, but what was profound for me as well thereafter was the next day. I did it like, I remember I actually counted four times when I noticed where I was like, just before the meeting with my boss, yeah, I, I was feeling those anxious feelings. I was okay. like, oh, okay. take a breath. And I noticed again, I said, wow, I've just, I've applied that tool again. Right. And, and then within a few weeks, it was, you know, 50 times a day. And I was like, well, that's fantastic. And then I, I kind of, me and Anne described it as like a, you know, if you imagine like a bar chart, if you will. Yeah. And let's just say for argument. And argu you're charting your mindfulness moments. Well, let's just, let's or... just, let, let's say for argument's sake that 50% of your day is in thought and 50% is you being present. That may not be the, the case, but let's say for this example, right? <laughs> yeah. We, as I noticed, the neg as we noticed the negative thought or a thought, it's like we were actually feeling our, the, the, the shift of this bar graph was now going more towards being the right. present side. Being in the present. Yeah. And so now it's like, you know, a couple of hundred times a day before I, before well, I would so usually beautiful. get lost into a thought. Like, ah, take a breath, be present. And it's like, wow. So I realized, well, how much time was I spending in my before this where right. I was like in a zombie mode? Yeah. Well, I was in the shower, Just physically lost there, in thought. but my mind is elsewhere, and it was almost well, almost a travesty that that you know we were living lives, you know, where the majority. Well, I don't know what I'm saying, majority, because I don't too sure what the science says about how much time we are in thought. Present. Some people say seventy thousand thoughts a day. Some people say, you know, it varies, right? But we do know that we think a lot. Because like a minute yeah, I close my almost, eyes, it's, it's almost constant, right? So it's if we say 50-50, but it's beautiful to see how this is now... It can shift. Wow, I'm now spending more time in the present moment. And that, for me, was so powerful. And the fact that, wow, I don't have to walk around a zombie anymore. And even when I do walk around a zombie, I can, like you said, drop that ball. Yeah, snap out of it. Snap out of it. And, and I think, for me, that's almost like a superpower. Yeah, I mean, that's a nice way to put it. Because it is a superpower. It is, because... If you got these blinders on and like you're you're in bed and you're trying to forget the argument that you had with the guy at work and you can't get him out of your head. Yeah. But we come in with the superpower up to even if momentarily, even if the, for that one instant, right? And it's all wow. about the one instant. Yes. It's all yeah. about the one instant. It's not a philosophy. So and and that that's where the image of the finger touching the soap bubble is so useful. Mm. Thought arises. Yeah. Awareness 
recognizes the thought. Mm -hmm. The thought doesn't lead to the next 20 thoughts. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you've you've liberated that thought. Yeah. And then there's just awareness. Yes. The next thought will arise. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. Then if, you know, so then, and thoughts have different powers because the content matters, the emotional charge matters. Um, so after a while you become intimate with the content of your thoughts and the, and more than the content, the process that you see thoughts as events in the field of awareness. Yeah. And then we invest them with a lot of power, but they're just thoughts, they're like raindrops. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they don't have to actually imprison us or dominate our yep. lives. But, and then you can shift the balance to more open-hearted presencing. Just here, resting in awareness, yep. walking down the street, and maybe you'll have thoughts because they're like weather patterns in the mind. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's lots of weather patterns, sometimes there's just low overhanging clouds all day long and you feel yeah. like you know that's called depression mm -hmm. or being down yeah. uh, and and sometimes it doesn't even feel like thoughts it just feels like a big cloud over your head uh, but then you realize that in some sense you don't have to do anything that uh, the weather patterns are dynamical so sooner or later they're going to change why because everything changes. There's nothing that lasts. Yeah. But we think when we're feeling bad, it's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. When we're feeling good, it's going to last for no time at all. Mm -hmm. And then it's soon going to be sad or bad, yeah. you know, angry or whatever. So that's just another wrong thought. Yeah. Lots of the th problem with thought is not the thought. It's that the thoughts are like um, inaccurate. Yeah. The content of the thoughts is inaccurate and they are freighted with a lot of emotion that is also uh, unnecessary and part of it is that uh, most of the thoughts are about one subject and one subject only and you know what that subject is right me that's why it's important to pay so much attention to the personal pronouns so you can be mindful of how much you talk about yourself yeah. or think about yourself and it's staggering to realize how much time we spend telling the story of me to me. Mm -hmm. And me already knows the story of me and it doesn't need to hear it. Yeah. But we keep doing it and the story of what's wrong with me or why I'm not happy or uh, who disrespected me or disregarded me or, <coughs> or what I need in order to be happy. and. And none of it's really true, yeah. or it's true, but it's not true enough. Uh, so the narratives that we tell ourselves, and the kind of in that default mode that I was talking about in the brain last mm -hmm. night, the trouble is that the content of it may be true to a degree, but what what it leaves out is who you really are. And it's the story of you is never as big as you. Yeah. And most of the time, like you know, that's partly what life is about. Is like it's a it's an ongoing trajectory in which you have the opportunity to realize how beautiful you are yeah and you know better so, so, so one question on that John yeah so you say who you really are one of the subjects that Anne and I talk about is yeah so 
you can take a breath and be present, right? So you could be talking to me, then I start drifting off thinking about food, for mm -hmm. example, right? And then I say, up, oh, use my tool, bring me back to the present moment. Yeah. And now I'm back right. with you, John. Yeah. But then what Anne and I were talking about is then, okay, well, what about the other way of being present where it's like where the, the idea that the, the self is an illusion, you know, a lot of Dan Dennett talks about and Sam Harris, how, so when I take that breath now, instead of being present back looking around, because, you know, the, the, we only see 4% of the visual spectrum and the idea that our perception of who we are physically and in this world is, you know, more of a construct in our mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. The idea that when, when I take a breath and instead of me being present back in this, we call it like in the game, for example, yeah. it's like be present, but like when my eyes are closed, when it's like, I'm not limited to the confines of my body or to this universe or to what I know, what I've assumed to be one way all my life. But that, that moment of taking a breath and like, well, you know, where is this place? What, 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 what the hell is going on here when it's this, when it's just, it's just consciousness? And it's like, wow, so like, when I take a breath now, instead of me, there is that in the game where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm intertwined in this life and I play this every morning when I wake up, for some reason I'm in this world and I'm Guillaume yeah. and I'm living it. But there's that, that other side to it. It's like when I also, when, when we, we take a breath, and there are no thoughts, and if there are no thoughts, and there's like the idea of who is Guillaume, you know, he's a yeah. married man with this, yeah. all that is, yeah. all of that is just something that is a, that's it's a thought that's that That's the pops narrative up. that I was talking about. Yes, it's that narrative, so that's what I'm saying, Take, taking a breath to be present, but not so much in this reality, but present in just, just with no thinking, just being conscious. Yeah, awake. Awake. I, I don't use the word conscious so much, but, but awake, yeah, yeah, aware. Aware. That's what. But awareness coming is. from the point of not being the huge, like limited to to well, all the, our previous rules about what biology but and physics. if you examine awareness, I think I said this last night. Yeah. I mean, no neuroscientist even knows what a thought is. They don't mm -hmm. know what awareness is. They don't know how you get it out of three pounds of meat in the head. Even though it's trillions of neurons, no one yeah. knows how that happens. Yeah. So, you know, that's. That's in some sense our human birthright. You could say in, that that's what really makes us human mm -hmm. is our capacity to wake up and not be imprisoned by thoughts, emotions, sensations, the body, you know, especially if the body's in pain or anything, yeah. but to just, uh, you know, uh, be the, the knowing and the not knowing that your awareness not only already is, but always has been. So then you can get philosophical about it, but there's a danger to do that. Then you know what that is? That's just all more thinking. Yeah. And you can say all well, of that, the kind of thinking is positive thinking and, uh, you know, and it's so much fun to think about multiverses and consciousness and what the real meaning of life is and all this, but it's just thinking, thinking, thinking. Yeah. Real meditation practice is how you live your life from moment to moment. Yeah. So, yeah, black squares, white squares. One, one Zen master said, sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha, okay? Sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes that way. Yeah. Uh, day, night, black, white. Um, and what we're cultivating is wisdom. 
We're cultivating equanimity. We're cultivating allowing things to be as they are. Mm -hmm. And the awareness that is aware of things as they are isn't caught in any of it. Now that doesn't mean if you lose your job, if you're fired, maybe you be depressed for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. All right, so be depressed for a couple of months. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Why should you, if you're a meditator, then you start telling yourself, I'm a meditator, I should get over this. Yeah. You know? But who says you should get over it? Why don't you just experience what it feels like and the disappointment and the, how hard it is maybe to get a job and then anxiety about that yeah. and then the feeling of lack of self-worth and then you ask that very same question that I asked you before is my awareness of my anxiety anxious is my awareness of my <coughs> low self-esteem is that actually suffering from any kind of low self-esteem yeah. and the answer will be no because your awareness is already pure. Then you don't have to get anything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get anywhere. You're, you're residing in your truer nature rather than being caught up perpetually in thinking. And even good thinking is still thinking. Right. So this is something where, uh, but let's not turn it into an ideal. The awareness is that way already. But it may take you 10 or 15 years to realize that. Sure. And learn how to live inside it. And even so, if someone dies or you you know go through some kind of big loss or change or threat, um, that's huge. And so put the welcome mat out for all of it. Do you know what I'm saying? The yeah. black squares, the white squares, and the awareness of the black isn't colored black, and the awareness of the white isn't colored white. Sure, yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. All right. So and here we are. Long stay. You know, your beauty, your health, your well-being, your brain, everything about you, it's never going to get any better. It's only going to get older. So what, you, what the real invitation is to be who you already are, not to become somebody else. I love it. And that's hard work because we always want to improve on ourselves. There's no improving on you because you're already a Buddha. <laughs> yeah. You just don't remember yeah. that you're a Buddha. So, a lot of the time. Beautiful. So, that's the thing. And you guys, I mean, I don't talk like this with everyone because, you know, I don't meet that many people who have as pure a motivation as the two of you. Mm. You know, and uh, that so much enthusiasm and also so much background and intelligence mm -hmm. and education. Uh, it's fabulous. <laughs> so, so just, I would say the most important thing is to not think about it too much. Sure. If you get too philo philosophical about it, uh, it, it will all be thinking. And, and this, this is not about thinking. It's about awarenessing. Turn it into a verb. Okay. A present participle, awarenessing. And um, and then see what that does, yeah. so that life itself becomes the laboratory. Of course, you, you do you have children? I don't know. But you have a live-in Zen master with you, so, <laughs> yeah. so he's going to teach you everything you need to know. Okay. And remember, if you'd like to create a kinder and happier world, please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are helping to spread a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools and local communities. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.